0: We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Creeps and Peepers. Thanks for listening or watching another episode on YouTube. Yay! Yay, I'm Dan. Hi, Dan. It's me, Lindsay. Hello, Lindsay. Hello, sir. And uh, thank you all for the continued ratings and reviews online, for telling your friends and turning this into a, a popular horror podcast. Ratings and reviews, you know, they, they definitely help keep us uh, on a variety of podcast charts. Yes, it's very important. Which is where a lot of people find us and uh, keeps, uh, you know, us getting more creeps and peepers. And then those people can send us more stories. So we have more of the My Stories. I know. That keeps the show going. So it really, uh, yeah, you, you're helping yourself. Yeah. And when, you, Hel- when you find new listeners. Help us. Help us. Help you. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. And thanks for also uh, continuing to buy Scared to Death merch. We have a special new item in the store today mm-hmm. a, a Wendigo print by artist Sam heimer now in t shirt form. Looks awesome. And you can find more of Sam's artwork on Instagram. It's at Sam underscore H E I M E R. Amazing Philadelphia based horror artist. Very cool. Uh, and we also have a new Demon Bunny shirt. <laughs> Echoes of the Bunny Man tale. Uh, a lot of cool, dark stuff at badmagicmerch.com.
1: That funny, man. I, I got so many emails from fans like, oh my God, I've been there. I've been through that tunnel. My, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. My friends have freaked me out with their own little versions of it.
0: Cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm very excited about uh, the stories um, you know, com- going forward for a while. It won't be every single episode, but a lot yeah. of them, I'm not going to say where it is, but I found a, a hidden treasure trove okay. of horror tales uh, okay. o- online. Okay. So I found a new well to dip into that I'm excited about.
1: Okay. Okay. My almost secret stash. I I found. I find all of our. (laughs) I can't speak. I find all of our stories scary or creepy or whatever. But I was like proud of myself. I'm like, man, I really got the hang of this. I'm like doing really well. Mm -hmm. And then you said, "Oh, get ready." Today's
0: today's one especially is I think really
1: really creeped me out a lot. Is it a doozy? I think it's a doozy. It's a real doozy. Mm -hmm. I love that word. (laughs) And you have three stories you told me? I do. Yeah. I have two kind of very, like, short, sweet little stories. And then the third story. Yeah. Oh, man. A whole family is involved in this haunting. Goosebumps? Yeah. Just like, for real? I can't believe that's okay. All right. The whole family? All right.
0: Okay. I believe it.
1: I believe it. I really believe it.
0: Okay. Well, first up, I like that. Uh, First up, a terrifying tale from Louisiana. about a woman moving into a new home, not realizing a terrible tragedy had recently occurred there.
1: Did you say Louisiana?
0: Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, a tragedy that the dead not done dealing
1: with. Okay. Well, I want to live in Louisiana, Dan. And when you tell stories from there. It's
0: a haunted place.
1: I know. I know. Well, I'm going to get cozy.
0: Okay. Okay. You get cozy. Uh, and all... I just
1: have to show off. I've got on my OG socks. These are the original unicorns. I took them oh, home nice. and washed them.
0: Yay. <laughs> Yay. Uh, also, we explore a little collection of Wendigo tales after that. So yeah, and first, I don't
1: know what a Wendigo is, so I'm stoked. I mean, yeah, obviously I out. saw the art on the t-shirts, but.
0: hmm So we got the first, we got the first Louisiana story, and then the second one's like a collection of a few little tales and an explanation of what uh, a Wendigo is.
1: Okay. I mean, because it sounds like a Winnebago.
0: <laughs> it's not. It's definitely not.
1: <laughs> Clearly.
0: Uh, are you ready for the first one?
1: I sure am, Dan. us okay. L- A sl-
0: little bit of setup while you continue to get ready.
1: Okay. Thank you, sir.
0: In the late 1970s. A young woman named Claire had just graduated with a nursing degree from the University of Louisiana, Lafayette, and had quickly gotten a job in town at a local hospital. The job had come as a bit of a surprise. Claire was certain she'd get a job back where she grew up in Shreveport, like she'd been planning. And at the last minute, the hospital that she thought she was uh, going to be hired by informed her that there had been more applicants than they'd expected, and the position went to someone with more experience. And then the Lafayette job was brought to her attention by one of her professors, and she quickly and desperately applied and was surprised when she was hired within hours of her interview, which was amazing, but she didn't have a place to stay in Lafayette anymore. Mm -hmm. She had to scramble to find a new place because up until a few days earlier, her plan was to return to her parents' house until she could find a new place in Shreveport, and now her lease was up in Lafayette. Through local paper, she was able to find a room for rent in a ranch house on a two-acre lot on the outer edge of Lafayette suburbs on the same side of town where her new job was located. Okay. So she moved in having no idea that a terrible tragedy had occurred in this home not more than two years earlier, and from the minute Claire walked in, she had a bad feeling about this place. She would have turned around and left, but she'd handed over her check for her deposit for the first months and for the first month's rent before she'd even made it in the door. Mm-hmm. Time now for the tale of the death room in Lafayette. Oh. Claire's new roommate, Kim whose mom apparently owned the place, seemed off. Friendly, but off. Claire wondered if she was into drugs or something. She looked strung out. She was a bit twitchy. She looked like someone who hadn't been getting a lot of sleep, maybe because they were coked out or hooked on meth. Claire would soon realize exactly why Kim had not been getting enough rest. Most nights, she was probably too damn scared to fall asleep. The very first night she was there, Claire went to sit in a glider swing in the backyard an hour or so after the sun went down, after she'd finished unloading her stuff into the house. She really wasn't unpacked yet, but she was exhausted and wanted to relax a bit before going to bed. Mm -hmm. She started her new new job the next morning and she wanted to be as well-rested as possible. It was a beautiful Louisiana spring night. No clouds in the sky, not too humid, light breeze, and the stars were out a little more than normal. As she sat in the glider... Peaceful for a few moments, Claire was suddenly overcome by the powerful feeling of being watched. The very powerful feeling of being watched. Before she saw anything, she was certain she was not alone. The hair on the back of her neck stood up. She shuddered with the chills. Whoever was watching her was doing it from the house. At first, she hoped it was her new roommate. Kim did seem creepy. Uh Uh-huh. But deep down, she knew before turning around that she was not going to see Kim. Oh, God. Whoever was watching her was doing it from the back bedroom window on the second floor. From the window of her new bedroom. She was certain of that before she saw anything. Oh, God. As she started to turn and twist around to look over her shoulder and up towards the window, she saw two small glowing lights. Stars, maybe? Reflected in the window? No, she thought. Those are eyes. Two small glowing eyes impossible but true and then she made out what seemed to be the dark outline of a man's body a man who was staring right at her
1: oh god
0: a man who scared the hell out of her claire stood up from the glider and momentarily took her eyes off the window and when she turned back and looked again whatever she'd seen whoever she'd seen was gone (sighs) she was now too afraid to go back in the house who the hell was in her room She didn't want to find out, but she also was afraid to stay out in the dark yard. And then she remembered that Kim was inside, and she screamed out for her. Kim! There's someone in the house! Kim! There's a man in the house! Kim suddenly popped out the back door. Who, she yelled back. Who's in the house? I I don't know, Claire said. He was standing in my room. Right there, she pointed. What did he look like? asked Kim. He was... I I don't know. It was hard to tell. It It was dark. I could just see the outline of his body and his eyes... I don't know if they were reflecting the light outside or what. It's almost like they don't. I can't explain it. And then Claire saw what seemed to be a flicker of recognition float across Kim's face. Oh, dang. Kim seemed both relieved and a bit frightened at the same time. And then Kim said, no, 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 it couldn't have been anyone. The front door is locked. He would have had to have come in the back and you were here and I was just in the kitchen. And well, this house has a has a way of playing tricks on you. Claire started to say, Kim, I'm sure I saw something. I'm, I could." And then Kim cut her off. I'm sure you did see something, but you didn't see what you thought you saw. What the hell did that mean, Claire thought. Claire didn't like the odd way Kim stared at her when she said it. The two shared an awkward, silent, tense moment before Kim said, come on back in. I'll lock the doors and I'll walk you through the house just to, just to make sure you know you're safe. Claire followed Kim back inside and Kim was right. No one was in the house. So what had she seen? She had the distinct feeling that there was something that Kim knew that she wasn't telling her. Mm Mm-hmm. Not wanting to make a terrible impression at her new job the next day. Her first job as a nurse, Claire tried to put the whole thing out of her mind and get some sleep. But she didn't get much that night. And what sleep she did get was plagued by nightmares. Nightmares she couldn't remember much of the next day other than that they involved a man. Some kind of bad man who was, what, maybe trying to kill her? Maybe trying to kill someone else? After she returned home from work the next day, a terrible first day, where she felt foggy and confused the entire time and made a ton of mistakes Uh and left convinced that her new boss thought she was a complete idiot who'd regretted hiring her, Claire decided to relax after dinner with a nice cool bath. It was especially hot and humid that day. And on days like this, sometimes a cool bath before bed really helped Claire sleep. The bath was just the thing she needed felt so good to cool down in the old claw footed tub she felt so relaxed she started to worry she might fall asleep in the water and almost did and then she heard them someone was arguing what a man and a woman and then the bathroom instantly grew infinitely colder what the hell immediately it felt like she was laying in a tub of ice instead of taking a cool refreshing bath who could she be hearing had kim come home she wasn't home when claire returned from work and the woman's voice didn't sound like hers then she heard what she thought sounded like a woman screaming oh god something was wrong with the way it all sounded in numerous ways the woman was in trouble something terrible was happening and it sounded like it was coming from her room from just on the other side of the bathroom door but it was too quiet to be happening just a few feet away few feet away it was hard to explain it it almost sounded like someone had left a phone lying on her bed and that she was hearing this terrible confrontation through the phone and that's why the screams were, were muffled somehow. And, and now there were screams. Did she leave her TV on? She thought for a moment that must be it. And then no. No, that couldn't be it. Claire remembered that she still hadn't set up her TV in the new bedroom. She was thinking of her last house. Uh, she didn't have a phone in her room either. So if it wasn't a phone and it wasn't the TV and it wasn't Kim, then, then what or who was she hearing? The screaming grew louder. And then she heard, was that a gunshot? And then quiet. And then sobbing maybe a man sobbing claire slowly got up out of the tub as quietly as she could she grabbed a towel and threw it around her naked body she could still hear the sobbing and now what sounded like a man saying i'm sorry oh i'm sorry what did i do oh god what did i do and then she heard what sounded like another muffled gunshot and then nothing after standing in the bathroom and dripping water on the floor for a few moments, Claire went to turn the door handle and peek into a room when a chill shot down her spine and she saw the edge of a shadow creep up under the door. <gasps> Someone was standing on the other side.
1: Uh-uh, uh-uh.
0: And then she realized the door was unlocked. Panicked, she quickly pushed a lock button on the knob and started to slowly back away and as she did, the doorknob began to rattle just barely at first and then steadily it rattled more and more. Someone was trying to get in. I'm calling the police Claire shouted at the door. A hollow threat. There was no phone in the bathroom and she knew that they probably knew that and then BOOM it sounded like whoever was on the other side of the door was just trying to break their, throw their shoulder to to break it down. They were trying to break in BOOM again boom boom the door was rattling how many more hits could it take before it broke claire started to scream go away go away she continued to scream as the door handle rattled and she backed up into the wall tears now streaming down her cheeks boom boom go away she was going to die claire knew she was going to die she slid down the wall and continued to scream and then claire claire what's going on in there
1: oh my god
0: are you hurt it was kim Suddenly it sounded like Kim was in her room and the the doorknob was no longer rattling and no one was trying to bust it down. Claire was so confused. What was happening? Now the doorknob did rattle, but gently. Claire, are you okay in there? Claire opened the door and quickly told Kim everything that had happened. She thought to herself, what a fucking day. (laughs) My boss thinks I'm an idiot and now my new strange roommate must think I'm absolutely insane. When Claire finished telling the whole story, Kim shook her head and then stared off into the distance, lost in thought. After a contemplative moment, she said, Mama was wrong. What? asked Claire. Mama was wrong, Kim said again. And then Claire didn't like what she said next. They're still here. Who's still here? Claire asked, goosebumps again. Kim shot Claire a look she really didn't like She looked unhinged And then she said staring off into the distance again Mama had the house saved She, she said that would have fixed it all It didn't Mom even had a priest bless his house But that didn't work either They're still here Who are still here asked Claire Not sure she wanted the answer People who lived here before Uncle Dale, Aunt Janice Said Kim this was their bedroom What happened to them Asked Claire They had a fight Really bad fight. Mom thinks Uncle Dale found out Janice was cheating on him. And he shot her. Shot her dead right here in this room. Then he wrote a note saying he was sorry. He was so sorry, and then he shot himself. Kim now turned and looked at Claire with madness in her eyes. They're still here. I told Mama, I hope they play nice, but maybe Uncle Dale doesn't like you. Maybe you look too much like Aunt Janice. Jesus. You'll get used to the shadows. I did. Then she flashed a smile, a strange smile that Claire really didn't like, and she left the room. She's crazy, Claire thought. She is fucking crazy.
1: Get the fuck out.
0: Claire didn't sleep a wink that night. It was the longest night of her life. She packed up all of her stuff that was in her room. Yes! Wanted to pack up her stuff downstairs too, but she didn't want to risk seeing Kim again. Kim scared her almost as much as whatever it was that tried to break into the bathroom. Claire left the lights on all night, but they didn't make her feel better the way they constantly flickered on and off. For most of the night, she softly sang or hummed songs quietly to herself because if she didn't, she could hear them again.
1: Oh, dear.
0: Sometimes she heard more muffled arguing, a terrible moment trapped in time being relived over and over. Worse than the arguing was the sound of the man laughing or mumbling something, sounds that came from different places around the room. Claire had the distinct feeling these noises were meant for her. He was in the room with her and he wanted her to know it. He knew he scared her and he liked it. She just had to make it to sunrise, and finally, she did. She quickly took <laughs> ah! Jesus Christ. Oh my god. That scared the shit out of me. A box just fell off across you, the room.
1: You guys can't see it, but like on the other oh side my of God. Oh my god, I have chills all over my body. On the other side of our set, there's like some storage and they're are two boxes and one just I don't even know why. Terrible that timing. Fell
0: out. Terrible timing. Okay, I'm gonna finish this story and then we'll talk about whatever the hell happened to that box.
1: I'm gonna throw up.
0: Okay. She made it to sunrise. She took her things downstairs, threw them in the car, she gathered the stuff from the kitchen, threw it in the car as well. She didn't quite have room for everything, and she wasn't going to be taking a second trip back to the house to gather more stuff.
1: Good, just get out.
0: She threw what she wanted, the least, into a trash bag, walked it around to a garbage can in the back of the house as the sun continued to rise, and then she felt the hair stand up on the back of her neck one more time. He was watching her again. He was still in her room. She looked up at the window facing the backyard... She saw those two glowing eyes from the room she had just left. And she muttered under her breath, fuck you. And then scared as hell, she hopped into her car and quickly drove away. She kept on driving right on past her new job at the hospital. She had enough gas for the whole trip and didn't get out of her car until she was back in her parents' driveway in Shreveport. And she tried not to think about those two terrible nights she spent in that haunted house in Lafayette ever since.
1: She's smart. She didn't fuck around. She just well. Luckily, got she had out. an
0: opportunity, I guess, because of her parents. Yeah. That she didn't. I mean, it's going to mess up things. I'm sure. You know, it's oh, going to yeah. suck not to have a job, but she has a place to stay, and yeah, smart that she did take it. Oh. <sighs> what that was ridiculous.
1: I w- <sighs> if I wasn't wired into the set, I would get up. Oh so my can God. you see it?
0: No, I saw what box fell. Yeah. That was terrible timing.
1: That was terrible. I don't. What I don't understand. So what it is is it? There's like a little. Two storage locker. I mean, it actually looks like an old locker, and it's just got like you know extra candles, blah blah blah. Yeah. We, then we, on top of that, there's one box. Right. In that in that big box are all my fluffy socks, and the lid is like it's not, it doesn't like clamp down, but it's yeah. just paper boxes. And then in the box on top of that is heavier items. So I just don't understand. I did it strategically because I was like, oh, the fluffy right. socks right. could kind of like push up, so I'll put a heavier thing on top. That should not have happened. <laughs>
0: Because you were just touching that right before the show, right?
1: Yeah, I, com- I got my socks uh, out, put it I'm all gonna back together. I'm to tell myself,
0: no matter what, that uh, it just, when you were moving things around, that it, yeah.
1: Remember how you said you haven't been sleeping well the past few nights? True. Stories, man, they're Stories, in your head. I
0: know, they are in my head. I'm trying to think about it. I was working on them here by myself, and... Uh, I don't, even, I don't even want to tell you, when I feel like I'm working on a good story, what I think I kind of feel. because <gasps> Why? Tell me. No, because it's going to scare you even more. But it, no, it's not. I'm, that I'm going, not
1: afraid of this space. What, did, I, what happened?
0: I, when I really feel like I tap, and I sound crazy saying this, when I feel like I tap into a really good story, Yeah. then I feel like I'm not alone here in the room, and I don't even want to think about who I'm with.
1: Millie, we know who's no, here. No, it's
0: not good, who I, what I'm with.
1: It doesn't feel good? No. We got to burn some sage. Nope,
0: but I like it because I feel like it helps me write a good scary story.
1: I can appreciate what you're saying, Yeah, but if you like it too much, you're inviting it into your life.
0: I don't think I am. I don't think I am.
1: We're going to get Monique to come over and (laughs) cleanse this place. Okay?
0: Okay. That was a good one though, right?
1: Yeah. I literally thought I was going to throw up. It scared me so hard. Like, have you ever had that in the Mm -hmm. deep pit Mm -hmm. of your belly?
0: Yeah. Holy hell. In my mind, I I think I just tap into a place in my imagination where it's like, it's like when I'm in the right mood for a horror story. Same thing when I'm putting these together. If I really kind of tap in, it feels like you're hitting this like creative vein where you're like, Okay, like if I'm getting my if I'm giving myself the goosebumps yeah. and getting freaked out, those ones always scare you the most and we get the best listener feedback. And I felt like some of the ones lately have been good as far as credibility stories, mm-hmm. but I wanted I wanted more fear. I wanted more juice. I wanted more juice. I wanted to feel a little more alive uh, do putting these stories together.
1: But do you feel less alive because you haven't been sleeping well?
0: I don't know. Hopefully, the sleep thing doesn't have anything to do with it. But yeah, I I feel Uh, a little off. Okay. Well. Okay. So here's some pictures. Just uh, oh,
1: that house is creepy. Now
0: this. Now I will. Okay, I'll say about this house. This first picture, uh, and you can find these pictures on on Instagram if you're a new listener. Um, This on, on on on. our Instagram excuse me at scared to death podcast <laughs> you can just find it
1: on Instagram just, <laughs> just, just look for a house just, look for,
0: just, just, just search just house just look
1: white house it's no
0: curious. but this this is a I don't think this is the same house it didn't have an address associated with the story but interestingly this house just went up for sale in Lafayette just a few days ago Ooh. and it's being offered for free oh it, it's, this, it's this free house that you can take I, I saw this it, t- it would cost money to move it you don't get the property Tom, but you get the actual house no fucking way if you way. want to move it for free because people uh, are convinced in the neighborhood haunted. that it's that haunted.
1: Holy shit. And, and if
0: you're in Lafayette, it's built in the uh, late 20s, early 30s, described as the old Grandview Nursery uh, on Verat School Road. Nursery? Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, and there's, here's another picture. This next picture, same house. Just different angle. Uh-uh. Yeah, just a, a house. that. There, and there's numerous, there's articles online. Numerous people have, have uh, Look at that claimed to experience things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah so okay so this next picture I have, I have popcorn
1: in my tooth i'm sorry that's okay
0: we uh we don't have um sorry about that's, that. okay. that's I, okay otherwise
1: i would have just kept like swirling my tongue sure, around sure. no one wants that
0: so this next this next picture i don't <gasps> know if, i don't know if that was a dude in her room but that's that
1: that i'm not look, gonna look at that again that freak you out yeah there's a girl
0: no, or a guy with long hair
1: it's a girl okay
0: uh maybe it's this next guy then we'll change it up very different energy that could be
1: in that window that, that's weird creepy clown guy yeah. that's a real Let's person that with a, guy. that's real person or clown mannequin mask. or mannequin okay can we zoomy zoomy is that an option
0: i think it, uh oh no oh, it was it was oh, there we go <gasps> yeah there we go
1: oh i see how you think it could be a mannequin right that actually just feels like a sick joke yeah, somebody's yeah, playing yeah, yeah, on yeah, a, a, a neighborhood which i think is kind of great
0: so that so that's so that's story number one
1: we right? should put creepy things in our windows like in Monroe's bedroom see- <laughs> window for people who drive by
0: you would scare yourself more with that.
1: I know I'd forget it was there <laughs> and <come home> back.
0: <laughs>
1: dang
0: yeah any thoughts before we move on
1: <sighs> well I mostly want to go investigate investigate the fallen boxes
0: I know after the show we'll have to figure
1: holy help! I think Kim yeah. I don't I don't know if Kim was real or if Kim oh was my a God, ghost that'd be terrifying You don't know. And just the way that she had like this creepy smile and she just didn't feel right. So either Kim is, in my opinion. Uh,
0: that just creeped me out. Yeah. I can't
1: believe you didn't think of that. I I didn't think of that. Either Kim is not of this world, but mirroring herself or whatever, like the appropriate terminology is. Can you imagine to find out like, oh, no
0: one's lived in that house for six months.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeek. Uh Uh-huh. That's kind of what I think. But, But if that's not an option, she's been there for so long. That yeah, that, that thing's ruined her mind. She is fucked up. And also, Mama, I don't think Mama is her mom. That just felt like- That makes it even creepier. Nah, she just seemed, that, the whole thing just felt fabricated in the sense that like, oh, it's going to be okay, sweetie. Mama saged mm-hmm. the house. And it's like, oh, you creepy fuck thing. Like, oh, you are, you are not real. Mama's not real. Fucking no sage has been burned here. GTFO.
0: <laughs> Yeek.
1: Yeah, what do you think?
0: I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, you know, something with the with the murder or suicide. You yeah. Know, just like left some dark energy that just was reverberating. I, I don't know in that house, and then the
1: were the they dudes the only thing. people that lived there? Uh,
0: I don't know if anybody lived prior to them.
1: Because I mean, I, mean, uh, I mean, it. I just wasn't while sure. While they
0: lived in there, I, I believe so. There was no mention of children
1: okay okay yeah not at all I wasn't sure if they were the only people haunting it because just like the mm. various voices was it all him was it
0: oh yeah, yeah was it her
1: lover was he there as well
0: oh my god yeah, yeah don't know Don't. Oh, yeah didn't think of that either oh man I have so many chills it's a good mystery okay you want you, you ready for this next one
1: what's in the box
0: what's in the oh my god what's in the box okay next Ooh. one next one tiny bit of setup but not much at all though we okay. just kind of just get back into it so Dang. this is this is a monster tale
1: oh great that's yeah. fun uh, <laughs> Monster Mash
0: This is the Wendigo That we're getting into And then uh, Yeah We're going to jump right into uh, A story That somebody named John encountered just right off the rip Okay And then we'll go into Explanation And then more stories Okay So, so I'll so try so different to structure, Different yeah, yeah, structure Yeah yeah Okay Time now for Tales of the Wendigo A young man named John Had a strange experience In upstate New York Just a few years ago He'd taken a week off of work To stay at a friend's farm Who'd be out of town And he planned on taking One or two overnight hikes In the area his buddy recommended a hike on a nearby trail he'd never taken himself, but Heard was you know, incredibly scenic and beautiful. John was eager to get out into nature. The woods around the farm were beautiful, uh, but the area his friend recommended also spooked him. A neighbor who lived near that trail had told John's friend that a door on his shed had recently been nearly ripped in half. Just a few weeks back, he said that something had pried the screen door back like it was made out of tin foil said there were deep gouges in the wooden doorframe, marks that looked like they'd been left by claws, and that he'd found some strange footprints nearby. Okay. Kind of like a man's footprints, but longer, wider at the ball of the foot, narrower at the heel. Was this guy insane? No animals in the area could do that kind of damage. John's friend also told him that there was a local legend that just a couple miles away, about a century ago, a whole family had been slaughtered in their home. There were claw marks all over the house, And something had apparently eaten parts of their bodies. Ooh. His buddy thought all this was nonsense. Local folklore and people who liked the attention they got from telling tall tales. But John wondered what if all of it wasn't entirely made up. John also thought he'd feel like a real idiot if he missed out on an awesome hike because he was scared of some probably made up monster. The whole reason he had made the trip was to get out and enjoy the country. Fair. So he packed up some gear, drove down a dirt road that led to the trailhead. His old black lab, Sadie, was in the back seat. It was the middle of June, everything looked lush and green. Knowing he'd lose service soon, he called his dad and told him where he was heading. He found it odd how he didn't run into anyone else. On the way, the trail was supposedly pretty popular. Then something in the middle of the road caught his eye a few miles back from the trailhead. When he squinted, he saw that it was a dead squirrel, not uncommon. But then he saw other dead animals, possums, raccoons, an unusual amount of them, like a lot of them. Way off in the distance, he also saw a dead deer.
1: Okay, that's enough. Go away.
0: Sadie started to growl. John kept heading towards the trailhead, parked his car in front of it a few more miles down the road. He let Sadie off her leash and grabbed his camping gear. Supposed to be a four-hour hike to the spot where he's planning to stay overnight. They made good time getting there, making it to the campsite in just over three and a half hours. And it was an eerie hike. Despite it being a beautiful day, John and Sadie didn't run into a single... Other hiker. Mm -mm. Even though he hadn't seen any cars, didn't see anyone on the trail, John did keep hearing what sounded like men's voices in the forest. He couldn't hear what they were saying, but it sounded like they were always just barely ahead of him, up around the next bend, behind a tree. He thought he was imagining them because the voice he heard the most sounded eerily similar to his dad's voice. Even Sadie seemed to think she'd heard his dad's voice. She loved John's dad, and John noticed that her ears kept perking up, and she started to wag her tail when that voice came from the woods. Also, as they got close to the campsite, the woods grew quieter and quieter. By the time they made it to the campsite, the only sounds John heard were the sounds he and Sadie made and the occasional sound of what seemed to be his dad talking out in the woods. What? It spooked him so bad that if it wasn't getting late in the day, he'd turn around and head back to his truck and just stay the night in his friend's barn. You should do that. But he did not want to be caught hiking through this dark, creepy forest at night. So John set up his tent, admired all the natural beauty around him, and then went to bed when the sun went down. And then a few hours after he fell asleep... He sprang up, startled. He could hear something rustling just outside of the tent. It sounded like someone quietly sneaking around, real quiet, Sadie was still asleep. Then he heard something whistling. At first he thought it was just the wind, but then he heard two distinct consecutive notes, a three to four second pause, and then two more consecutive notes. He heard this repeat several times. Feeling like a sitting duck in the tent, John grabbed a flashlight, shone it outside, trying to get a glimpse of whatever was out there. When he did, the whistling grew louder. It sounded like it was coming from up above the tent, from up in the trees. And then Sadie started to emit a low growl and some of the fur on her spot and stood up. John looked up and he saw it. Something about 50 feet away, perched in the tree, looking back at him. As soon as the light hit it from the flashlight, the thing jumped an impossible distance until it was on a branch only about 10 feet away. What the fuck? It was so tall. It had matted fur, antlers protruded from its gaunt, haggard head. Its skin was papery and rotten-looking, like a corpse's skin, but it was very much alive.
1: Oh my god.
0: Its wild, feral, but human-like eyes swiveled towards John and was terrifying. Everything about it was unusually long. It's arms, legs, neck, fingers, and everything. And that's when John, overcome with fear, dropped the flashlight and took off running.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: He left all his gear and just ran and ran back the trail, down the trail as fast as he could. True fight or flight. He was so scared, full of so much adrenaline, he didn't realize for probably ten minutes that Sadie wasn't running alongside him. When he stopped to yell for her, he heard his dad's voice again coming from the forest, trying to lure him towards it. And he heard other voices all around him, whispering in the darkness. He yelled for Sadie, Sadie! And then he heard her whine from back down the trail. He started to run back towards her, and then he froze in place. The most overwhelming feeling in his gut told him that whatever was making that noise, it wasn't Sadie. Sadie was dead. He didn't know how he knew it, but he knew it and then he heard something moving towards him on the trail, something a lot bigger than Sadie. He knew it was a thing he'd seen on the branch above his tent, a thing that would he would soon come to believe was a wendigo. And John turned and ran again. He eventually made it back to his truck and drove back to his friend's farm. He never saw Sadie again. <sighs> he hiked back to the campsite the next day, carrying his friend's 9mm. No voices this time. The forest also wasn't as quiet. When he made it to his campsite, he found all of his gear, most of it completely untouched. He didn't find his dog, but he did find bloodstains just outside the tent. Tears filled his eyes. At least he didn't find her torn apart like the animals the two of them had seen along the road. And then he packed up his stuff, walked back down the trail, and left those woods forever. This is one of many supposed Wendigo encounter stories. The first people to record Wendigo sightings were the Algonquin American Indian tribes of eastern North America. According to the oral histories of many of these tribes, a person becomes a Wendigo when instead of facing famine with resignation and preparing oneself spiritually for death, as was considered honorable in native societies, the person let hunger drive them mad and let them commit the unthinkable and eat their fellow tribe members.
1: Oh, okay.
0: The Algonquin believed that eating human flesh gave one powers like enhanced hearing, sight, speed, and brutal strength, but those powers came at a price. They believe that consuming human flesh cursed whoever it did, whoever did it with an insatiable hunger, a hunger that would become their entire existence, leaving no room in them for any of the humanity they'd had before. They'd become a true monster. Legend has it that the Wendigo can take different shapes. Some report a creature with the head of a stag and the body of a man. Others say the Wendigo appears to them as an emaciated person. Bundles of sinewy muscle barely attached to bone with giant sharp teeth. Whether it appears as a beast or as a man, the Wendigo always appears close to starvation, gaunt to the point of emaciation. Its bones push out against its skin, its its complexion the ash gray of death, its eyes recede back deep into their sockets. The Wendigo's lips always tattered and bloody, their bodies reek of decay and decomposition. The first written description of a Wendigo came from a Jesuit priest. For about 40 years in the early 17th century, a group of French Jesuit missionaries traveled to what is now the Canadian province of Nova Scotia. The priests interacted with American Indian tribes attempting to spread Catholicism and they learned of the Wendigo. One priest wrote in 1611, What caused us greater concern was the intelligence that met us upon entering the lake, namely that the men deputed by our conductor for the purpose of summoning the nations to the North Sea, "...and assigning them a rendezvous where they were to await our coming, had met their death the previous winter in a very strange manner. Those poor men, according to the report given to us, were seized with an ailment unknown to us, but not very unusual amongst the people we were seeking. They were afflicted with neither lunacy, hypochondria, nor frenzy, but have a combination of all these species of disease which affects their imaginations and causes them a more than canine hunger." This makes them so ravenous for human flesh that they pounce upon women, children, and even upon men, like veritable werewolves, and devour them voraciously, without being able to appease or glut their appetite, ever seeking fresh prey, and the more greedily the more they eat. This ailment attacked our deputies, and as death is the sole remedy among those simple people for checking such acts of murder, they were slain in order to stay the curse of their madness." So that's what the priest wrote. Yikes. Some think that some early North American colonists also encountered the Wendigo a few decades before the priest wrote all that down. In 1587, the colony of Roanoke was established on a small island along the coast of present-day North Carolina. Mm-hmm. 115 men and women eagerly arrived at what they thought would be the first permanent English settlement in the New World. The group was well-stocked with provisions. They lived in uh, secure structures, offered good protection from the elements and, and uh, from unfriendly neighbors. But when a ship returned to the colony in 1590, not a single living soul remained. Right. And there was no evidence of war, struggle, or famine. Mm -hmm. Were the Roanoke colonists eaten by something? Were they torn out of their beds by huge, ferocious man-beasts and pulled into the woods? Did the Roanoke colonists themselves resort to cannibalism and transform into Wendigos? One of the more infamous Wendigo legends comes from Canada in 1878. That year, a Cree man known as Swift Runner in central Alberta claimed that the spirit of a Wendigo possessed him and forced him to eat his own family. Oh, Swift Runner told police that at first, he was haunted by dreams of the Wendigo. Then he said the Wendigo spirit called on him to consume all the people around him. The spirit crept through his mind, gradually taking control of him until he was no longer Swift Runner. He and his family lived deep in the woods, far from the closest town of Fort Saskatchewan. The family was last seen in town buying supplies for the long, tough Albertan winter in the fall of 1878, and when Swift Runner returned to town in the spring of 1879, he returned alone. His family wasn't with him. Swift Runner first claimed that his wife and six children...
1: Holy shit!
0: ...had died of starvation. The police at Fort uh, Fort Saskatchewan, however, couldn't help but think... It was odd that although his family had apparently starved while, uh, like he claimed, Swift Runner looked like he hadn't missed a meal. They investigated his cabin, discovered the grisly remains of his family, the bones of children that had clearly been butchered and picked clean of meat. Some bones even had the marrow hollowed out
1: Fucking A man
0: They found the skulls of his wife and and kids And when confronted about the massacre Swift Runner confessed to having killed and eaten his family He said it wasn't his fault though It was the curse of the Wendigo The police obviously did not accept this theory (laughs) And Swift Runner was hanged Gaining the distinction of being the first man Executed by Canadian authorities In the young province of Alberta actually and his is but one of many North American WendiGo tales from the 19th and 20th, 20th centuries, and sightings continue. Here's one last WendiGo story. Uh, this is posted by someone who wishes to remain anonymous. And they wrote, "I'd like to go hiking with my friends. There's not much to do around here, honestly, because we live in a small mountain town in Canada. It was exciting at first, but now we know all the trails by heart. By the end of last summer, there was only one trail within driving distance that we hadn't tried. The the trail goes through a forest that the local indigenous people consider sacred. According to their culture, the land this trail was carved upon was forbidden ground that has been cursed and that you are not to walk on. I had no interest in ever hiking it, but my friend Joe told me it was the coolest trail he'd ever been on and he talked me into going. I found out later that he lied about that and had never been on this hike and made it up to talk me into coming along with him. We arrived at the trail about 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning. It was farther away from town than most trails, and it wasn't near a paved road, so there was a lot of walking involved just to get to its beginning. What struck me immediately about this trail was how quiet it was. I noticed you couldn't hear any birds chirping or any wildlife whatsoever, just complete and utter and unnatural silence. At one point, we crossed a log someone had laid down to cross a shallow creek. Across the creek, just off the trail, we saw a perfect circle— Nothing but smooth dirt inside, surrounded by small, perfectly arranged rocks. Mm-mm. The rocks were partially submerged in the soil and fit together like someone had painstakingly arranged them. Every single one of them was the same uniform, white, quartz-like color. And as I got closer, I saw things that had been carved into them. Some symbols. I couldn't make any of them out. But, in the, you know, I couldn't read them. And then as my eyes followed a circle, I saw that in one place, this circle had been broken. Uh oh. On one edge, a group of rocks had been kicked up, and for some reason, this really bothered me. There was something about this broken circle that was extremely unsettling. As quiet as the entire forest was, it felt much quieter here by this circle, totally silent. After passing the circle every once in a while, we started to hear something rustle off in the distance, always behind us. The first few times, we figured it was just a deer or something. But by about the fifth time, I started to think that someone was following us, and so did Joe. The next time we heard it, Joe started to freak out. He turned around and saw the vaguest outline of a buck's head. I saw it too and noticed immediately there was something off about it. It was too high up. It was too tall. And then it was gone. Joe hadn't noticed the height the way I had and we started hiking again. A few hundred feet further down the trail, Joe walked out into the brush just out of sight to go to the bathroom. When he hadn't returned after about two minutes, I hadn't heard him moving around in the brush either. So I called out, Joe, no answer. Five minutes passed and I still hadn't heard from him. I climbed down the ridge. Joe! I didn't hear anything but my own voice echoing back to me. I walked further out into the woods in the general direction he'd gone, and after walking about 50 additional feet, I saw some blood. (gasps) I saw blood spattered on a tree, more of it across some rocks, more of it on the ground. There were strange tracks in the dirt. And some of those tracks had blood in them as well. Altogether, there was just a lot of blood. Too much for a human to lose and survive. And there were drag marks. I ran after the drag marks, looking for my friend, terrified but not willing to abandon him if he were somehow and possibly still alive. I quickly reached the edge of a small cliff that dropped down into a ravine with a creek running through it. The drag marks stopped there. Joe! I screamed. And then something heard me. Across the ravine, I heard a rustling and saw the trees stirring. Then something stepped through the foliage and revealed itself. At first, I saw the head of that buck I'd seen before. It was about seven feet off the ground and on top of an emaciated humanoid body. The creature I was staring at snorted. There was blood dripping from its horns. Ugh. Its human-like body was dark with you know, uh, and naked. Its arms and legs too long and skinny to be fully human. At the ends of its hands were claws. Every bit of jagged as horns on its head. And one of those claws was what left of Joe. His face torn open. One side hung off the skull by a few shreds of skin. Ugh. I could see Joe's teeth through a hole in his cheek. His eye on that side of his head was completely gone. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Then the creature's ears ruffled and it dropped Joe and it started to back up I realized it was going to try and jump the ravine It was coming for me I turned and ran, behind me I heard a powerful grunt and then the sounds of this monster landing on the bank I heard a roar, something that sounded like a a cross between a buck and a grizzly bear I ran the fastest I'd ever run in my whole life, I could hear it gaining on me I thought for sure one of its claws would grab me at any moment And then suddenly I burst through the forest and out onto a road I was off the trail and for some reason, this creature suddenly stopped chasing me, just at the edge of the road. It was as if it wasn't allowed to go further, like something had bound it to those woods. I ran down the road that led back to where the trail began, back to where I'd parked. Once in the car, I sped away and called the police. I did not tell them about the Wendigo. I just told them that my friend walked out into the brush to take a piss, and then he never came back, and that I was worried about him. What the hell else was I supposed to say? That some deer-headed monster killed him? That felt like a good way to end up in jail. A search party was formed, but no one ever found Joe. Ever since, the image of that wendigo carrying my mangled friend haunts my dreams. And that broken circle shows up in my dreams as well. I'm convinced that when it was broken, that thing that killed my friend was free to roam that forest. And you couldn't pay me enough to go back there again. Yikes. Excuse me.
1: I'm scared to see what the wendigo could
0: look like. So it's only artist depictions. Of course, I understand. I have three. Here's the first one. Oh,
1: buddy. Ooh, okay. It's
0: just a really random, weird, creepy monster, Ooh. deer-headed monster. Here's the second one, and they show up, you know, in various depictions, various ways. Sometimes it's more humanoid. Uh,
1: it's
0: crazy, emaciated, clawed cannibal dude. That then, looks
1: like something out of Game of Thrones.
0: Right, right. Like a right? like a White Walker. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I couldn't think of what what it was called.
0: And then one more uh, is just another illustration that is, you know, more like demony. Looking
1: yeah, there. yeah. None of those are what I was thinking.
0: Okay. Not a single
1: one, but I can see why there are so many variations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So interesting legend.
0: You know, that has been around for a long time. That first uh, story
1: was so sad.
0: I know. I knew you'd be sad about Sadie.
1: (laughs) I was having a really hard time not crying about Sadie. (laughs) I I was thinking about our sweet little chickens at home. Mm -hmm. We have doodles at home and- Once we, upon a time, we, we called we just, them chickens. Yeah, be, because when you look at them, you can't tell the difference between fluffy chicken or fried chicken.
0: <laughs> right? There, there
1: was like a very fluffy famous fluffy doodle,
0: fried chicken. Yeah, there was yeah. like a very
1: famous meme going around Instagram. Yeah, 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 yeah. But still, so our yikins and I was like, oh my God, Ginger might make it out because she is terrified of everything and she is so fast. Penny right. is a little uh, bit chunky.
0: Oh. She, know.
1: Know. She, she loves, likes, fat. she fat.
0: She likes her treats. I know. And we think that when we're not home, that she eats her food and Ginger's food. <laughs>
1: Pretty sure. <laughs> Pretty sure. But oh yeah, but so that's why I was like sad. But but yeah. also, it's so tricky because I understand. Like if you know you. You're yeah. excited, you're staying at your friend's place, Like you've got this plan, you get up there, and you know it doesn't feel right. right. But also, when you said like, yeah, but if he turns around, he has to hike back oh, out yeah. it, in, the in the fucking dark. dark.
0: Right, he won't make it back to the truck by sundown.
1: I don't know, what is what is worse, spending a night in a tent <sighs> where you're terrified, or hiking out when you're terrified?
0: They're, they both really suck. Hardcore. But I, What I, would I, you do? I think think i would stay in the tent like false sense of security it's almost kind of like like um as a kid like pulling the blankets over your head or as an adult don't judge as an adult but it's that thing of like um the the tent being zipped up you're in there with the dog uh you have like like i mean it would suck i probably wouldn't we would be fighting because i would want to leave i would want to say it was a four hour hike four hours of walking back to the dark we I mean, oh, made it in three and a half, but it's supposed to be, you know, it's a long, so it's a longer hike.
1: I know. I just,
0: after sundown, that's a long way to walk in the dark.
1: It is. It is. I guess I would probably just want to try and stay up all night. Yeah.
0: yeah. Like I
1: think I would be doing the like, okay, we're not doing, we're not sleeping in shifts or anything. Like we are, we've got food, we've got like no alcohol, no weed, like we don't do anything right, right. that's going to make us sleepy and we stay up as long as we possibly can. Yep. And you yeah. know what? If Penny and Ginger have to pee in the tent, then they pee in the tent because yeah. I'm not getting out.
0: True. True.
1: You could pee in the tent too.
0: <laughs> Everyone pees in the tent.
1: Everybody pees in the tent. I, yeah. I'm not sticking my little butt out there. Uh-uh. uh uh-uh. Yeah.
0: No, I, th- I, I agree. You stay, you stay in the tent until sunrise.
1: Ah, uh, But that
0: didn't work. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> it, it makes me not want to go camping. Because I was like, oh, that was a perfect campfire story also because it's like you're in the tent and the sounds and this and you open it up, you know, because I can imagine being in there and you like get your flashlight out. You're like, okay, enough.
0: And then you see some creature up in the branch and then that creature just like magically bounces closer to you. Right. So it's like really close enough where you're like, this isn't my imagination. That'd be the worst. The worst. And it's like worse than a bear. Worse than like a mountain lion. Uh.
1: And I think every time you go camping, no matter how often you go camping, the first night is always a little like, what's that? What's mm-hmm, that? Mm-hmm. Just while you're adjusting to being mm-hmm. away from the sounds of your house to right. being out.
0: Please, please be a raccoon. Please be a raccoon.
1: Right. Please don't be a snake. Please don't be a snake. Please don't be a snake. That's a lot of my thoughts. Like somehow Funny. I think that snakes are going to uh, circle our tent. Interesting. Uh-huh, and then come up. From underneath. Oh, man. This They're going to snakes. Nibble their way through. Wow. Uh-huh. Man, those snakes have a taste for human flesh. Yep. Well, we smell good, you know? They're tired of mice. Yeah, well, and they want to, like, dig their little snake pit underneath. Mm. the ta- I, I have a whole thing. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's so fucking stupid. <laughs> I realize that. I realize that. Oh, that was... Man, but, but what about that box that oh, fell down? I
0: scooted backwards. I went the wrong way in my chair. You,
1: you did? It's okay. Come back. Yeah. Baby, come back. <laughs> um... Still thinking about the box.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. That that story actually took my uh, took me out out of, away from the box. I forgot about the box. No, well because I can see it. Yeah, I yeah. can see
1: it. And then also there's you know the creepy doll creatures behind <laughs> you. So I just uh down down down. Yep, oh, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. doll creatures, they're yep, just dolls. But yep. so every
0: so often, give me a heads up if one of them starts dancing or
1: something. I I okay. So as you were telling one of those stories, I was like, oh my god, what if one day just that on old back my neck? doll. Just float it on out and then just that's, that's when we're done. That's when we're done? That's
0: when we call it. Aye. That doll floats off of that shelf and attacks me.
1: The, I didn't even say it had to attack me. I
0: added that. If it, it floats off and attacks me, we're at least taking a hiatus.
1: <laughs> what if it just floats off and falls to the ground?
0: Or at least getting rid of the doll. Oh, I don't know.
1: That doll is filled with like weird sawdust and I mean it's. it's probably filled oh. with
0: someone's ashes.
1: No, it doesn't look like ashes. Mm. Have you ever seen the ashes from cremation? Mm-mm. Yeah. It doesn't look like that okay are you ready for three stories yeah the third it's like a a nice little build okay okay uh okay so this story you gotta hang on to the end because we get some confirmation about what happened so, this message begins, Hey gang, long time, time sucker, and been loving, scared to death since y'all started. My name is Samuel, but everyone calls me Buddha. Thank you, um, Buddha. <laughs> I'm 24 as of writing this, but this story happened probably close to 10 years ago, okay. and I've only ever told a select few because I'm a lifelong Baptist Christian, and I still am to this day. Mm-hmm. And he says, I know, funny, funny. That I'm Christian, people call me Buddha. <laughs> I say the part about being Christian because I do not believe in ghosts. Okay. According according to the Bible, it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paraphrase from two Corinthians five, King James Version. So I believe when we die, we go to heaven oh, or got hell. It, got it. And there's no in between, no purgatory. Got so it. I do believe in angels and demons. Not ghosts, which are very different, as we know. Okay. 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 So anyways, one night I'm lying on my granny's couch after a week of attending church camp that I went to every year. For whatever reason, I woke up in the middle of the night very suddenly. I don't know why I remember this detail, but I do. I had just watched a movie on DVD, and it had gone back to the menu, as DVDs did, and the title screen music was playing over and over. Yeah, okay. This detail is important, which is why I mention it. As I'm lying there, I hear what sounds like small feet running across the floor. Now, this was an old mobile home, and every step could be heard in the house. As I'm lying there, I was thinking to myself, I know that we have small kids in the family, but no one was visiting except for me. It was just me and granny in the house, or so I thought. So, it was... uh, But I didn't think anything of it, and I tried to go back to sleep. I continued hearing this running around, and eventually I got sick of the running and Mm -hmm. yelled, Anthony, go back to bed and stop running, thinking that somehow someone was visiting our house that I just didn't know. As soon as I start speaking, it goes dead silent. No more steps. Nothing but the DVD title screen and the ticking of an old clock. So I roll over thinking that my little cousin Anthony has listened and has gone to bed. I start trying to sleep again. And of course, as a few minutes go by, I start hearing the running again. And now I'm mad and I yell again at him to stop making so much noise. And again, the sounds stop. And just like before, I roll over and go to sleep and again hear the sounds. But instead of just a vague sound coming from somewhere in the house, the running is now distinctly coming towards me and stops right at the entrance to the living room. At this point, I'm starting to get a little suspicious because Anthony was a hyper child, but it was a little late and he should not have been awake. I looked over to the door and there's nothing there. Just a dark hallway leading away from the living room. Now, I'm fairly frustrated at this point and I just want to go to sleep. So I get up and I go over to confront my cousin to get him to lay down or I'm going to get granny on him. But there's no one there. Confused, I start walking around the house looking for him, thinking maybe he's hiding. But no he's not there. None of the other kids were there. I was correct when I thought it was just me and my granny. Now I'm starting to freak out because I know what I heard. I ran back to my pillow and blanket and immediately pull the covers up over my head because, as you know, that's a surefire protection. (laughs) I'm lying there, covers over my head, just listening and waiting to see if it'll happen again. And it does. Again, the steps running down the hallway directly towards me, even though they were distinctly small and dainty footsteps, they sounded like a thunderstorm as they got closer and closer, and as soon as they got to the edge of the hallway, they stopped, and for a split second, and then they slowly and methodically, walking, not running, walked towards me each step getting louder and louder seemingly bigger and bigger as it approached me it stops and what had to have been what had to have been just inches away from my face and now all is quiet the clock is not ticking no more dvd menu music just silence mm-hmm. then what felt like an eternity later i see a small child-sized handprint starting to push its way down on the blanket as if it was trying to reach through the blanket and pull me out for whatever reason whether stupidity or bravery bravery i yanked the covers off of my head and screamed leave me alone but nothing was there and all the sounds rushed back into the room and never once again did i hear or feel anything Now, I know I've gone on for a long time for a less than terrifying story, but this is what really makes this story scary to me. One day, just out of the blue, my mom and I are going back and forth telling stories on the way back from visiting my papa. Mm -hmm. And I go through the story. As I just explained, my mom immediately pulls the car over and looks me in the eye and says, did your papa put you up to this to scare me? Obviously, I said no and asked my and asked my mom why, and she goes on to explain to me something that to this day still gives me the chills. My granny and my papa were divorced when my dad was still a kid, so we'll say some fifty odd years ago, mm-hmm. and one day. He had driven down from Indiana to Florida, where my granny lived, to spend the weekend there and then take my dad back to Indiana for some time with him. Well, my papa was a rough man. He grew up in the coal mines as a young teen, went to war, and eventually got into welding as he got older. Basically, he's your typical no bullshit kind of man. (laughs) He was up one night using the bathroom, and he hears what he thinks are little feet running outside the bathroom door. And thinking it's my dad out of bed, Mm -hmm. he throws the door open, ready to scold my young young dad but instead of my dad he sees a small pale as snow little girl standing there just looking at him not moving an inch terrified my papa slams the door closed knowing there's absolutely no reason for any little girls to be running around the house he opens the door and she's gone my oh mother my finishes God. this story with tears welling up in her eyes, and she says, your papa was an asshole, but he was <laughs> not. <laughs> but he was not a liar. I'm sorry you saw that girl. And she wipes her eyes. We get back on the road, and to this day, we have never spoken about it again.
0: That is creepy.
1: Isn't that odd?
0: What? Ah, oh, man, I would not like that.
1: Not like that at all. Like, what? The-
0: I don't know why, it, like... In a weird way, like, and we've talked about this before, it's been a little while, but we talked about it before, like, how the, the, the image of, like, an apparition, a childlike apparition, creeps me out more in some way than, like, a, than a grown-up one, which doesn't make any sense. I don't know why it bothers me more.
1: Because theoretically, you would think that an adult-sized one could hurt you more, just basically, like, yeah. you'd be more afraid of a, a real, real adult, real child. Yeah, ch- not, nonetheless.
0: yeah. yeah. Not, not that that wouldn't scare me. Like, if I, like, I opened up the bathroom door, and I was going to the bathroom, and there was, like, a... Fucking dude, there, like ghost dude, that would terrify me, but but somehow the the thought of just like a like a little girl like lingers more in some weird way. Man, yeah, I would not, man.
1: Would not kids like are that. creepy, man. Ghost kids. Well, regular kids can be creepy too. Yeah. Some, yeah, sometimes good. they do strange things. That's
0: a saying. That's a good, Sam, that's a good or Buddha. Buddha. <laughs> that's a good, that was a good story. Yeah. Yeek. Just
1: uh, the later confirmation is what took yep, me in because I'm like, yep. yeah, the story's creepy. The hand creepy. coming through the blanket. Uh, I'm like, oh. And I totally mm-hmm. get what he's saying. Like I would spend the night at my grandmother's, and mm-hmm. I can just imagine like spending the night there and thinking like, oh, I thought it was just us. Yep, oh, yep, one of my yep. cousins must be here.
0: Right. And it is that thing where it's like it's a creepy story but you could write it off as overactive imagination. Totally. But without the last detail. Yeah. But, but then, then that that really is like, "Oh, heesh.
1: Well, and the fact that all the sound stopped in the house, like the DVD mm-hmm. stopped, and I know exactly what he's talking about. I thought that was such a great detail because mm-hmm. I w- I would fall asleep watching movies all the time and you'd wake up in the morning and you're like, "Oh my god, that was on all night." All night long, yeah. That like 20-second loop yep, of music. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. too. Oof. Oof. Okay. You ready for more?
0: Yeah, that was a good one.
1: Okay. So this is a little update and story about the Pasca- Pascagoula River. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. the abduction. Yeah. Going, going back. Hey, guys. Was listening to the episode about the Pascagoula River abductions, and it made me think what better time to tell y'all about my experience I had along the river one night. Some quick backstory first. The Pascagoula River is known down here as the singing river because of the eerie sound that comes from the river at night. Weird. It supposedly sounds like flutes. I'm sorry. It supposedly sounds flute-like or has been compared to the sound of rubbing the rim of a crystal glass. Okay. The legend as to why the river makes the noise goes back to a dispute between the Pascagoula and Biloxi tribes. The two tribes coexisted peacefully until the chief of the Pascagoula tribe fell in love with a princess from the, from the Biloxi tribe. I'm sorry. Is it Biloxi or Biloxi?
0: Uh, Biloxi is how I would oh, say it, but, don't, but I wouldn't trust me at all. Uh,
1: okay. Bil- yeah. It's, it's all different the on town, the internet.
0: B- and, and yeah, and I will say sometimes like the town and the tribe yeah. can be different. And I'm not familiar at all with the tribe. Yeah. I thought the town was Bil- Biloxi, but yeah.
1: Okay. Well, I, I'm just, I should have prefaced with a, an apology if I get it wrong because it's different all over sure. pronunciation guides. Yeah. The two tribes coexisted peacefully until the tribe of the Pascal pascagoula tribe fell in love with a princess from the biloxi tribe the biloxi tribe declared war on the pascagoula indians completely outnumbered the pascagoula indians chose to die at their own hands rather than be killed and Ah. captured as slaves and so the pascagoula tribe joined hands and sang a song as they marched into the river to drown themselves according to legend The noise made by the river today is actually the phantom tribe singing from beneath the water's surface. Creepy. So creepy. My experience happened a few years ago as friends and I decided to go hunting and camping at a wildlife management area right off the river, about 30 minutes north of the city of Pascagoula. We got off to a late start, and so we found our place to camp around 7.30 or 8 at night. It was just myself and my friend Jonathan at the time, as our other friend Trevin was still up at work at the shipyard. We started to unload the truck and set up our tent, and about 15 minutes later, I was coming back from the truck and noticed Jonathan had stopped assembling the tent and was just looking around. I asked him, is everything okay? Mm -hmm. He said yes, but he thought he had heard something, but then went back to putting the tent up. A few minutes later, coming back from the truck, we both heard what can only be described as an Indian war cry that came from about 20 yards into the woods behind Jonathan. He looked at me and told me to get my shotgun and load it, which I did, as I watched the woods, aiming my shotgun, hoping to God nothing would come out as he picked up our half-assembled tent and threw it into the back of his truck. The only other people out there with us were maybe a mile or so up the road, and I'm sure it wasn't them. Their truck did drive by about 10 minutes after it happened. Mm-hmm. I had my gun out, aiming it towards the woods, but huh. they just drove off making eye, making, after making eye contact with me. I don't know if they heard the same thing as us, but after that, we hauled ass out of there, but returned the following day... And in the morning, we reset our camp. Mm-hmm. We had no other issues following that night. We still talk and joke about that night, but I still believe I heard something paranormal out there. I've been following Time Suck for about a year and Scared to Death for a little over a month and can't get enough of either. Oh, God bless you all and keep on sucking. Sincerely, Josh. Oh,
0: thank you, Josh. Hail Nimrod to you. Uh,
1: yeah, nah, just, just like, huh, yeah. Just kind of like, huh just because that area is so strange and we had you know covered that right. recently.
0: Mm-hmm. 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 Yep. Yeah, that... that. That is my favorite abduction story I've come across so far it, Yeah, in, in the sense of um, just like different eyewitnesses that came forward years later mm-hmm. and never just, you know, wavering from the story. I don't know. It, yeah, that's a that's a, a haunting story.
1: Yeah, I feel a sneeze coming. So I'm going to okay. say right now, if I sneeze, I'm really sorry.
0: <laughs> Bless you. It's allergies. Yes, I, I don't have it. I don't yeah, have it. Allergies have been out in oh, force past few weeks.
1: I forgot to take my medicine this morning. Okay, so this is it. This is the big one Okay Okay Okay. So an entire family
0: Oh yeah Okay
1: Haunted by one ghost And what I find so fascinating Is that some of the family knew about it Yeah And didn't share it with the other Rest of the family Right But they (laughs) It's amazing Okay I would like to begin telling you How much my wife and I Both love to listen to Time Suck And look forward to date nights In front of the television For our weekly Scared to death ritual viewing That's so cute Yeah I'm going to tell you a story I have not told many people in my life, mainly because if you weren't there, it's very hard to imagine it could possibly be real. As a young boy, being decades younger than my siblings, I grew up in a very large five bedroom home with just my parents. Both my room and my parents' room were located on the second floor of our home, but on opposite sides, divided by the long stairs leading to the first floor. Yeah. As a child, and still to this day, I was captivated by scary stories and horror movies. This is partly why when the horror became real in my life, no one believed me, and, and no one would get me the help I begged for. I first started to realize that something wasn't right as I tried to maneuver through the large dark house. Just like anyone that is scared of what could be in the dark, I often tried to run through the dark as fast as I could to get back to the light or a safe place. As I did my usual runs of terror, I began to notice unusual cold spots throughout the house. My parents were both very conservative and strict, and the AC was not to be used unless it was very, very hot out. Mm -hmm. So when I tried to rationalize the cold spots in the house, my first thought was that it must be where the cold air was coming out from the vents. Yeah. Curiosity and false bravado began to get the best of my little nine-year-old self, and I began to test my hypothesis. I ventured through the house, feeling for cold spots, and as I moved slowly, I began to realize the places that were cold were only in the dark, only at night, and only in places where there were no AC vents to be seen. Weird. I began to think and worry more, and, and think more about what could be causing this. And that is when the nightmare began to take shape. As I left or entered is when the night sorry as I left or entered rooms throughout the house, if I was alone, I could almost count to three and guarantee that the door would slam behind me. No matter how much I pleaded innocence, both of my parents were certain it was me slamming the doors mm-hmm. until they saw it for themselves. When you are nine and you can't be in a room without the door slamming on their own, and your parents don't believe what you're saying, you begin to feel very helpless very quickly. On the first floor of our home, I had a playroom that was located between two doors that led to the garage and one that led to the kitchen. One night, I was in the playroom alone, playing with my action figures and dinosaurs, and I had them all arranged in a perfect circle around me in the middle of the room. Behind me was my closet with more toys in them, the door open in, the door open to the closet and the light on in the closet. As I sat there playing, I could hear my mother on the phone in the kitchen, probably 30 feet from where I was sitting. The closet light flickered, Mm -hmm. and then the light switch went off. Now, when I say that the light switched off, I don't mean the light went out. I mean the light switch flipped to the off position on its own. Not one second after I noticed the sound of the switch flipping and the light going out, I turned to look in that direction, and the door to the closet slammed. It slammed so hard, I knew it would be only a few seconds before I was getting in trouble again for slamming doors. I turned to the sound of my mom yelling at me from the kitchen and coming my direction and then the light for the playroom switched off as well. Mm -hmm. I could hear my mom was only steps away from my door and the light switched back on. But it wasn't my mom that flipped the switch on. As I looked towards the door where my mom was coming from the kitchen, I suddenly realized that the circle of toys I had positioned perfectly around me were now thrown around the room, no longer in the nice circle I had made. This is when the door to the garage began to open and slam on its own Along with the closet door And the door to the kitchen slammed closed as well So my mom could now not get into me Now I'm terrified The doors are slamming open and close on their own The lights have begun to flip on and off all on their own This went on for probably 10 seconds But to me, it felt like 10 hours Mm Mm-hmm Finally, the door stopped moving, and my mother stopped beating on the door and screaming because it finally opened and let her in. But when she came in the room, instead of a look of anger on her face, she seemed confused as she realized I was cowered in the middle of the room, crying, and I could not have been the one slamming the doors or locking her out. This was the first incident I had with the entity in my home, but it was for sure not the last. Mm -hmm. A few nights later, as I lie in my bed, obviously still worried that the entity would come back, it did. I cannot say what time it was because I had no clock in my room, but I had been lying in bed for a long time, unable to sleep. It began with the light switch flipping on in my closet. Next, my closet door slammed and my bedroom door followed. My fan was on in my room To keep my room cool for the night And I was looking up at it When it abruptly stopped It did not slow to a stop It stopped on a dime And immediately began to spin In the opposite direction At an abnormal speed The doors began to open and slam As the lights in my room Went on and off And my fan was moving so fast It began to smoke This is when my mom Entered the room And saw what was happening I could see the fear in her face As I am sure she could see The fear in mine This is when my fan was spinning like a jet engine and it caught on fire above my head. My mom immediately ran and jumped onto my bed, seemingly ignoring the chaos in my room in an attempt to save me. With her bare hands, she reached up into the fiery fan blades, grabbed a hold of the burning fan, ripped it out of the ceiling, and threw it onto the floor. She ripped the bedspread I had on top of me off and threw it on top of the flame to smother the fire out. As the fire stopped, so did the doors and the lights. She then proceeded to take me to her room for the night. As I sat on her bed, she began to tell me how she knew what was happening. Yeah. She painted a picture for me of how she knew who had been doing what they had been doing. She said that when my older sisters were younger, similar occurrences happened to them. Slamming doors, lights whipping on and off, dolls and toys moving on their own. She told me that the only way to stop the entity was to talk to it. She told me that the spirit in her house was a young girl named Annie, and Annie had terrorized my family for quite a while. She told me that if Annie was bothering me, I had to tell her to stop, not ask her or ignore her, because that would only make her mad. From that point on, when strange things began to happen around me in the house, I would tell Annie to stop, and that this wasn't her house anymore, and the terror would immediately cease. Living with Annie became natural. I could simply just write off paranormal things happening around me. My mom was free to speak to Annie now because she no longer had to hide it from me in an attempt to keep me unaware. It didn't take long before I had an opportunity to talk to my sisters about Annie. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, Annie had actually pushed one of my sisters down the stairs, leading to a broken arm. The crazy part isn't that she was pushed, but rather that my mom actually saw her get pushed by Annie. In an attempt to control Annie, my mom had spoke to the spirit, pleading with her to leave my sisters alone. She had placed magnetic letters on the refrigerator to try and communicate with Annie. But the only thing Annie ever wrote with the letters was the name Annie. Eventually, we left that home and moved to another. In the new house, we never experienced Annie's presence again. I apologize for this being so long. I hope you found it entertaining. I surely did not when I was a kid. Thank you so much for what you do. My wife and I hope to keep watching Scared to Death and listening to Time Suck for years to come. Matt.
0: Thank you, Matt.
1: Matt, are you so mad at your mom?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. that After um she saw your sister get pushed down the stairs, she's like, now nah, we can stay here.
1: I mean, no, we'll five kids, out. maybe just like yeah, finances. It might,
0: might have been a financial situation. Th- that thing about the, um, the magnets on the fridge. Yeah, like, so like, creepy. Yeah, magnets, like if they consistently were just rearranging themselves to spell a word. Oh. Oh, that would yeah, really bother me. It's
1: like Ouija board. Mm -hmm. you know just in a different form although i will say i got an email this week from somebody who is a long practicing wiccan which Mm -hmm. i'm not sure i don't want to get it wrong but they said that ouija boards are merely like a tool for communicating and that you can't open like a portal
0: with a ouija board right i mean there's a lot of different beliefs about it but yes yes made me feel better believe what you
1: want but that made me feel better
0: what if if you had a a ghost that would just uh, why can't you have like a happy ghost that would just spell like affirmations out on the fridge. Like you're hot. doing a great job. Oh, have a nice (laughs) day. Yeah. You're hot (laughs) and you're awesome. Way to go. Love, love sharing this house with you. Hope it don't bother you. (laughs) Let me know if I'm being too loud.
1: Do you need anything from the grocery store?
0: Running out. Yeah. I'll pick you up (laughs) some. Do you
1: remember when we lived in the apartment in LA and things would go missing? We'd blame it on the hobo. Uh, just like like I'd be like, oh, did you eat the rest of that leftovers? Oh, yeah,
0: this imaginary like person yeah. who lived Yeah, exactly. It'd be the go- yeah,
1: yeah, be a <laughs> friendly ghost. Ugh, a creepy thing happened to me this morning at the house. Yeah. It, I mean, I completely spooked myself out. So on Kyler's headboard, you know, he's got that like stuffed gnome, mm-hmm. that like cute, mm-hmm. yep. sweet. I caught it at just the right angle. I was coming up the stairs. And I can see that edge of his headboard and there a was, it, it created a huge shadow. Oh, funny. I thought there was a giant man in his room this morning. Ugh. Whew. Yeah. I did have to like poke in and make sure. So how about, how about that box? How about
0: the box? It's gotta be Joe messing with us, right? I, I always assume afterwards that it's our producer, Joe. That was a good scare if it was, but tricky because we walked in, like I'm thinking fishing line.
1: Oh, right. But and I I I'm think thinking how
0: you knock it off the box, but like you would see the fishing line hold it if it fell in a weird
1: way. I don't know. I don't know how he did it. I don't know how I did that one. I just need to see like what's in that small box cuz I swear I thought that it was heavy items to keep the lid on the fuzzy socks down. I'm trying to remember uh, we
0: we already recorded randomly next week's episode, so we can't address the box next week. Oh. So for our right. listeners for Creeps and Peepers, so if you're like why didn't he bring up the box again cuz just the way our recording schedule and certain kind of things stories work out, we had already done so hopefully hopefully two weeks Hopefully we'll have some good kind of answers, or 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 we'll just never know, or, or just like a weird mystery.
1: Yeah, or I mean, I don't think it was on the edge. Like I'm, I'm such a like nutcase about things being perfect and neat. I'm a little bit OCD, so it's like it's not like I would have set the little box slightly off kilter yeah. on the big box. I
0: def- I promise I didn't do anything. I, I didn't do anything. You
1: better not have because if you think you're not sleeping now, I could just make it worse.
0: <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> and you and you wanted to say something at the end
1: i did are we ready to wrap it up yeah i think yeah, so okay, were, were,
0: i really like today's yeah. uh, show yeah, i know good chills
1: i know I, I was really spooked out that first story kim is just like hanging out in the head right now uh yeah what if yeah, what if you're I not like you angle. what if I you're know. not you oh man i always wonder that like whew, what if what if who mm-hmm. is that black rifle coffee
0: uh, it's not, it's, but it's it's a cup from now. Oh, yes. I see
1: that sticker everywhere now. They started sponsoring Timesuck, and ever since then, I don't know uh, if like we have our ads with them yet, but yeah, uh, they I see that uh, brcc yeah, you it everywhere. sticker uh-huh. everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's pretty popular. Yeah, it's good yeah, stuff. love it. Um, okay, so what great stuff! <laughs> it is so good. It's so powerful. I'll take like twelve beans, literally twelve.
0: <laughs> and you mix them into your decaf. Mix into my decaf. A and I'm like
1: kick. It's more than a kick. It's a jolt. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so obviously some of you who watch our show came over from Time Suck, and you're very aware that Dan and I really enjoy giving to charities each month. It's something that we do through the companion piece to Time Suck, which Mm -hmm. is a Patreon podcast called The Secret Suck. Mm -hmm. Okay, and we donate thousands of dollars every month to various charities. Through that, at one point, we had donated to my favorite charity. It's a local charity here in Coeur d'Alene called Safe Passage, and They work with domestic violence victims. They work with sexual assault victims. They have sort of like five arms to their business, Um, court advocacy, rape kits. They don't do the rape kits there, but you can have a rape kit advocate with you if that's something that you have to go through. Um, I think one of the most incredible and important things that they do is that if you had a child in your life that came to you and said, you know, somebody touched me in a way they weren't supposed to. You can work with them to do the intake process, not at a police station. So it's in a safe, comfortable, I guess, warm environment, you might want to say, for such a horrific kind of story that you would have to share. Um, and then they're also in a couple of the local high schools talking to kids about safe relationships, right? Like we we live in such a different age where I think it can be a little bit complex to understand What is a boyfriend or girlfriend being too possessive or too jealous or taking it too far? And kids don't always have the resources to understand the difference between like, oh, this is just how it is or... This is not okay. So anyway, so they do all these various things. And normally, uh, in about a week from now, we would be having our annual um, violence prevention breakfast. And it's something I've supported for years and, and Dan has as well. And because of the current situation, it's just not possible. There wasn't enough time to set it up because they didn't know if things would be open or not. And for the safety and well-being of everyone, it was opted to not happen. So subsequently, some of us who are involved with the foundation program, whatever you want to call it, we've agreed to be virtual amb- ambassadors. So you can find a link if you have five dollars that you're willing to donate if you can skip your starbucks today I know it's a very stressful time right now for a lot of people financially So i'm just throwing this out there because this is something that matters to me And I especially think right now during lockdowns There are a lot of people who are in really bad situations that had no way of getting out of it You know, there are people who live with abusive people every day and you add more stress to it and it gets worse. So this money is always important, but it's especially important right now. So you can find a link to donate on on my personal Instagram page, Queen of Bad Magic. Uh, you can also find a link. There'll be one up in our socials on Facebook for Time Suck and for Scared to Death. Uh, it's all the same link. It's too long to say. So just go to my Instagram and click on through. And yeah, and if you can't, cool, no pressure. And if it's a service you need or you know somebody who might need it, I'm glad that you got this little PSA today. Mm-hmm. Good job. Thanks, babe. Mm-hmm. Important stuff.
0: Yeah. And and that is all for today. Please keep sending your personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thank you, Heather Rylander, for curating those, helping curate those. Uh, for everything else, info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thanks for listening or watching this bad magic production and thanks to the team Logan and Kate on social media, the talented folks who design the merch and manage it at badmagicmerch.com, Zach Flannery. Uh, also producing and directing many episodes now, Sophie Evans helping produce. Scared to death takes a scary village to make this show work.
1: <laughs> I like that's cute. Uh,
0: thanks to Joe Paisley for producing, directing, adding sound beds to uh, the show. Zach Cohen, Jeffrey Montoya, um, you know, uh, for for making sound beds. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram if you want even more content at Scared to Death Podcast. Subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube and enjoy your nightmares, creeps, and peepers. Hope you were scared. To death. Bye. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness, and remove their powers until the last race. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but have no home here within. Scared to death.